that sound? That is a red-tailed tropic bird. Meet Butch Has. He spends a lot of his time looking for seabirds. He lives on Molokai, and watching these birds soar off the island's northwestern cliffs is one of his favorite things to do. It's like another red tail. He's a little bit bigger. So we have two red tails and a white tail. But Butch isn't just here to watch the birds. He's like an avian real estate agent trying to convince Hawaii's seabirds to move back to Molokai. Because the islands where these seabirds and so many other species live right now, they are sinking. You're listening to Stemming the Tide, a podcast about climate change from Honolulu Civil Beat. I'm Thomas Heaton. Hawaii's aerial melting pot of seabirds is majestic. We've got albatross, petrels, shearwaters, boobies, tropic birds, noddies, and terns. These amazing seabirds are airborne marathon runners. They can coast for thousands of miles across oceans. They're ingenious architects, building nests high up in Hawaii's trees, cliffs, and even underground. They also play an important role in keeping Hawaii's ecosystems healthy. But climate change is threatening all of them. On today's episode, the efforts to save the seabirds and how they can actually help save humans from climate change in return. When most people think about Hawaii, they think about the eight largest islands but there are actually more than 130 islands that make up Hawaii, as well as some partial islands, atolls and reefs that sometimes pop up over the waves. Many of Hawaii's seabirds build their nests on these islands. There's often fewer predators around to eat them or their eggs. They're also not as bothered by people, since none of the outer islands have any full-time human residents vast majority of seabirds nest in the northwestern Hawaiian Islands within Papahanaumokuakea Marine National Monument. Lindsay Young is the Executive Director of Pacific Rim Conservation and pays close attention to the 22 species of seabirds that call these outer islands home. And most of the islands and atolls within that monument are below two meters mean sea level, which means they're not projected to really withstand the brunt of climate change. It's not just sea level rise. Some of the smallest islands have actually lost landmass during hurricanes, most recently in 2017. These birds are also losing their food supply. Take Lace and Albatross, for example. This black and white seabird has a massive wingspan. It needs those long wings because it often flies as far as Alaska or Japan looking for squid, smelt, herring and anchovies. When water temperatures rise, these fish move further north to colder waters, which hurts baby birds. Um, A lot of people probably noticed that we had a fairly hot, dry winter. That means that their food source is moving further north. So albatross parents this year had a really long commute. They weren't able to get back in time. And as a result, we didn't have nearly as many chicks um, survive as we normally would. So those give us kind of previews for what's to come as the ocean changes. So what can you do when millions of birds are facing homelessness? Well, you could always build them a new home. And in Hawaii, 
That means cordoning off parts of the main eight islands to keep predators and people out. So once this fence is completed, it'll create the largest coastal predator-proof exclosure in the state. It's just prime ground-nesting seabird habitat. Butch Haas is part of the team establishing nesting sites for the albatross seabird on the island of Molokai. He's the executive director of the Molokai Land Trust. This nonprofit has spent over $1 million on fencing, cleared thousands of pounds of invasive plants, and are currently planting native trees and bushes. So, you know, out at the cliff's edge out there, we probably cleared that in 2014. And then between 2015 and 2019, we've cleared all of this area coming back in here. And a lot of what you see in front of us, you know, is mostly native vegetation. You know, you can see a lot of the beach now paka in there, the aki aki grass, and a lot of that available. It's not just a build it and they will come situation. Butch and his team have to convince these seabirds that these 60 odd acres are a great place to raise a family. They advertise these new homes by playing recordings of bird songs. And they've even built decoy birds and positioned them near prime real estate. They need a little help. They've been impacted by the wind. And <laughs> I think it's time to repaint them. Oh, like, this guy's falling over. Of... Yeah, that one fell over. Exactly. <laughs> like everywhere in Hawaii, it's shaping up to be a hot market. Within 10 days of putting these out, one of our interns videoed an albatross. And it was like the fastest documentation of a response um, on record, according to the, the guys at the state. Yeah, so uh, here, come on around here again. Out of the wind and at Molokai Land Trust headquarters, Butch says it's important to remember that this isn't just about giving seabirds a new home. It's about welcoming them back. Many of these seabirds used to live on the eight main Hawaiian islands. But it was overdevelopment and western colonisation that pushed them to the outer islands. This didn't just hurt the seabird population though. It hurt humans, because seabirds play an important role in the entire ecosystem. More specifically, their poo. It's so important that scientists have a special name for seabird poop. Guano. All of those nutrients that come through seabird guano fertilize nearshore marine systems and add to increased density and diversity of species for everything from plankton to seaweeds to corals to fishes. The nutrients in guano help keep coral healthy. This is important for humans because reefs protect the shoreline from storms and flooding. Healthy reefs also mean more fish. For Molokai residents who rely on healthy fish populations to feed their families, the return of seabirds is a major win. The human populations and indigenous cultures rely on these, these resources for their livelihoods. It's critically important for them to understand the role that wildlife plays in promoting the health and diversity of those resources. Butch Haas and Lindsay Young's efforts are successful. More and more seabirds will make their move from the northwestern Hawaiian islands to the state's main islands. This makes them vulnerable in new ways though. But Lindsay says there are three things 
you can do today to be a good neighbor to these birds? There are three very tangible things that people can do. One, if they are a cat owner, they can keep their cat indoors. I love cats, I have my own, they live inside. Cats are a major threat to seabird colonies. Even if you don't think your furry friend is capable of killing birds, cats can still spread harmful diseases through their poop. So keeping them indoors and not supporting feral cat colonies is a major step that people can take. And then the second one is making sure their seafood is sourced responsibly. A lot of albatross are killed as bycatch in fishing operations. If fishermen aren't careful, seabirds can get caught and killed in their nets. There are regulations to cut down on this bycatch, but to make sure that the fishermen you're supporting follow these regulations, go to the website fishwatch.gov. There's even more resources on Fishwatch specifically for Hawaii's fish. And so asking where that seafood is coming from, um, there are various certification organizations and making sure that you're purchasing sustainably. And then finally, how you can support this project. Due to the pandemic, there aren't any volunteer opportunities. There could be in the future. Right now, many organizations are just looking for donations. One flight to Midway Atoll the largest Laysan albatross colony in the world costs $40,000. So if anyone's listening that has a private jet that would like to go to Midway and help us kidnap birds, let me know. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> If you want to learn even more about seabirds and the conservation efforts going on in Hawaii, I wrote a whole article about it too. Head over to civilbeat.org slash podcasts to read more. I'm your host, Thomas Heaton. My editor is Nathan Eagle, and this episode was produced and co-written by Claire Colfield. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. Stemming the Tide is supported by the Environmental Funders Group of the Hawaii Community Foundation, Maurice LaFund of the Hawaii Community Foundation and the Frost Family Foundation. To learn more about CivilBeat and our journalism, subscribe to our free morning email newsletter by texting CIVIL to 66866.